Hello. Um, can you hear me? <laughs> um, welcome, Neil Jordan. Thank you. Hi. Thank you. Uh, congratulations. Um, I saw this in Toronto, and uh, I don't know if you're out with big screening, but it was one of those screenings where um, people were literally kind of rocking back and doing this at various points and making know, whooping yeah. noises and yeah. laughing at all the right places and, you know, kind of jumping at all those great scenes where, where Isabella poops up across the street. Was that what you were going for? Were you surprised? I had, I, I, such a I had no idea. I really didn't know, you know. Um, I didn't know they'd enjoy it that much, yeah. you know. <laughs> it's a kind of movie that some people absolutely love and some people absolutely loathe, you know. Sure. Which mm -hmm. they're free to do both, really. But it's, I mean, I, I, when I made it, I thought, okay, this is, there's an enormous amount of fun here with the, even the idea of stalking and the idea of pursuit and mm -hmm. the idea of you know, that kind of desire for a friend and that kind of how a simple human situation can lead to madness. Mm -hmm. That's what I thought we were doing, you know. Yeah. But I didn't, you never know whether people will, 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 will get it or enjoy it yeah. in that way or not. And they, in Toronto, they, they really seemed to, didn't they? They, they kind of went nuts. Oh, it was a physical crazy. thing, which, you, which is a great thing, yeah. collective experience mm -hmm. with people rocking back in their seats at the right mm -hmm. moment. Which yeah. is, and it's difficult to scare people with little... Not so well refreshed. <laughs> 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 you know, careful what you say. <laughs> it's it, no. I mean, it's that's what the, the enjoyment for me in making the film was actually that there were no supernatural elements, yeah. and you know there were no like kind of CGI creatures coming out of the floor and out of people's mouths or mm -hmm. any of that stuff. You know, it was all actually it was all situation, and it was. I mean, it was a script that was sent to me from Hollywood, actually. Mm -hmm. You know, and. Uh, it was one of those things that they say, we want you to make this, and you're going, oh, okay, it's kind of interesting, and then you say, okay, I'm interested in doing it, and then I say, oh, by the way, you've no money. You know, that kind right. of thing. that's okay. what seems yeah. to happen a lot these days. But, I mean, I found the, the intriguing, the simplicity of it really intriguing, and I'd never ever thought of doing what you would call a stalker movie, you know? Sure. But I, I, I found the, uh, and there, were le there were certain elements in it that, the kind of setup didn't allow you to explain, you know what I mean? I didn't allow you to justify. So I, I just said, there's a great fairy, a great warped kind of fairy yeah. tale in here, and that's what I'd like to do. And if I could find somebody who sees it in the same way, I'll do it. And Isabel saw the same thing, you know. Really. Uh, talking about that, I was interested you brought that up, that notion of a fairy tale. That seems, that, that, that occurred to me as well, and this notion of this the sinister figure in the woods, or in this oh. case, in an, an urban version of the woods, oh. little red riding hood figure approaching. Someone's always interested you, you get that obviously in Company of Wolves explicitly, then in Dreams, there's some of that going on as well. Yeah. Um, talk a bit about that in relation to this film and why it still appeals to you. Uh, I don't like psychology, I suppose, you know, and I'm probably not very good at it, you know, and uh, though I was married to a therapist. For a few years. Okay. Maybe that's why. <laughs> no, it's not. Not at all. Not at all. But it's, it's just I, I never. I, 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 I love explanations of human behaviour that are kind of beyond the rational, and I find that fairy tales and myths and you know the Bible and stuff like that. You know these kind of weird stories that are you know not penetrable by Sigmund Freud and mm. those guys. You know I find them really interesting. You know mm. and. Because I think human beings are a little bit like that, but it's something in me. I mean, one of the main reason I did this really was because it was kind of 
there was a potential for me to make it a version of Hansel and Gretel yeah. in, a, in an urban setting, you know. And with the designer, Anna Rackard, who did it great. We shot most of it in Dublin. I should, I, I, you, you know, obviously, you, you, I hope you don't realize that from looking at the screen. But <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it, it's common knowledge that we did all the interiors in Dublin. And, you know, to find that house that... Uh, I remember when Anna designed... She, she designed... Uh, she came up with the first... Oh, the movie's over. <laughs> she came up with the first designs of Greta's apartment. And yeah. I was looking at them and I'm going, no, 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 that's not right at all. No, no, I remember saying, look, this has to be... It has to have wooden kind of elements in the ceiling. It has to be... And there are environments in New York that are straight out of kind of, you know, turn-of-the-century Vienna. Sure. You know, I remember mm -hmm. the first time I went there, when I became aware of it as a city, thinking this this old kind of urban European stuff going on here. Mm -hmm. and, you know, so we kind of built, you know, a little cabin in the woods for her, really. You know, and we found that's an exterior... Right. Uh, serve the same function. So that, that's the direction we pushed, you know. Are any of these exteriors we're looking at in New York? Yeah, yeah, quite. They are. Yeah, yeah, there yeah, are some yeah, yeah, yeah. of the, the, the real city the, there. One, the, one that, the one where her little, little uh, apartment is, her little carriage house is, mm. I would never have found that in New York, you know. Uh, <laughs> Where's that? It's in Toronto. It's in Toronto. Yeah, there was this beautiful street, that, which is one of the main reasons I went there in the end, you know. But it was, you know, it was fun to do. Talk a bit about Isabel Dupere. Um, uh, I, I met her for this, and she was absolutely lovely. Which is, I should, no, she shouldn't be, but she has a reputation for being a little bit formidable. Um, is that is there anything in that, or is that just because we see uh -huh. her on screen as for being a bit formidable? No, 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 no. She's, I mean, she's absolutely, she's, she's absolutely delightful. You know, she's a very rigorous actor. You know, and if you accept all the rigor that actors, a really highly intelligent actor, break, brings to the part and to their what you call a practice and stuff like mm -hmm. that. You know, she's absolutely delightful. And, you know, working with her was like working with a friend, really, you know. Uh, you know, she was... But when we came to do the publicity, it totally different Isabel emerged. You know? <laughs> she had, like... She had teams of people with different costumes. You know, I'd be right. sitting like this, and we'd do one interview, and then she'd go off and turn back in a totally different outfit, you know, that <laughs> paid for by Carl Lagerfeld or somebody right, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just extraordinary. I was like, this is a different person, you know. Yeah. You know, extraordinary. Yeah, it was like... But working, and actually, you know, she's delightful in herself, yeah. of course. But uh, it, was, it, was, it was extraordinary to see the, the emergence of this person who was so kind of... Um, in control of, you know, of her entire public image, mm -hmm. extraordinary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, was she always in your head whenever you got this first look at the script? <coughs> no, or? it's not that. No, not really. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, you know, one is given a script and one sees it in a certain way, and one, meaning me, says to to oneself, <laughs> I never quite know how to use one. <laughs> But, you know, you say to yourself, uh, okay, if I find somebody who is willing to go on this journey with me, I'll make it, you know what I mean? Yeah. Also, you, ha you, you know, you, you have to find somebody because they have to finance the movie, you know, that kind of thing. So when Isabel was interested, we, I met her up and she, we talked about it and we talked about where it could go and, you know, mm -hmm. when, when she said she wanted to do it, you know, I said I'll do it too, yeah, basically. Um, I'll come to the audience in a minute, by the way, I just will ask a few more questions here then, so consider your... Uh, insightful questions <laughs> with you in a minute. Um, interesting, you know, I was looking that um, a lot of talk now uh, in, in Hollywood and around the industry about 
the position of woman in cinema. And it's interesting that in your recent films, you've actually focused very much on female leading characters. And in a sense, I shouldn't have to ask you this question. It should be taken as read that there's many female leading characters there mm. are male, but that doesn't tend to be how it works. But mm. in this film and um, mm. at Byzantium mm. at, um, and the Jodie Foster film, Pray at One, yeah. and even Ondine had a female, um, yeah. uh, a female um, title character, even if she wasn't really the... The lead, a female fantasy, I would call it, wouldn't you? Yeah. Yes. A male fantasy with female character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, talk a bit about that. Um, is, is that a conscious thing in your part? Um, not at all. No, not really. You know, I suppose I'm best known for a female character that turned out to be male, haven't I? Yes. Really, and I'll never shake that off. Really, it's not. It's not a conscious thing. Spoiler. What? <laughs> no, but it's. Uh, you know, I made Mona Lisa. Well, I mean, Company of Wolves. Come on, mm -hmm. that was entirely. Female yep. movie, wasn't it? Angela Lansbury, Little Sarah Patterson. It was about, it was about a young girl's kind of nightmares, you know, sexual waking, but wolves and you know, mm -hmm. men who were hairy on the inside and all that. You know, it's it's. I suppose maybe it's easier now to uh, to. Th there's more material around that is female based, probably because of the whole, you know, the whole, uh, you know, the whole kind of, you know, the, the resistance to. Due to the male chauvinist-dominated kind of cinema mm -hmm. that, that was around in the 70s and 80s for, for aeons, really, you know. I mean, Byzantium was sent to me. It was written by Maura Buffini. It was, uh, you know, I, I thought it was absolutely intriguing, you know. The fact that it was two, that it was two female vampires, you know, mother and daughter, was almost irrelevant, you know, if it had been, mm -hmm. two, two, if it had been a father and a son in a similar situation. But the fact that it was female was interesting because the whole, the whole kind of use of sexuality, you know, as a kind of a weapon was mm -hmm. interesting to me. And mm -hmm. um, Jodie Foster, the Jodie Foster movie I did it because Jodie sent me the script. <laughs> no, serious. And I wanted to see, I kind of wanted to see a, a revenge drama that was driven by a woman, really. Mm -hmm. And with regard to this, again, it's totally accidental, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's quite accidental, actually. Maybe it's just because there's more of that material around and there's more appetite for female characters, you know. Are you aware of, a, of Hollywood's attitude towards women having changed in the 20, 25 years you've been doing this? Um, particularly recently, obviously, with the Me Too thing and the various scandals that have attached no, around I, that. I, have, you, have you noticed a shift in attitudes? Well, there's always been great female characters in the cinema, hasn't there? You know, I mean, That's true, you think yeah. of Douglas Sirk, But I mean, more, think, but I mean, well, more in the 40s and 50s than there were in the 80s and 90s. Days, I know, you yeah. think about, you know, Betty Davis, and you know, you think, you know, come on, let's go, you could go on. But there, there have been very few female directors, that's the problem, isn't it? I, I think actually the, uh, you know, the emergence of, you know, uh, female directors into this, you know, very kind of aggressive bear pit is a great thing, you know, because it's, it's when I started making movies, it was a very, very intimidating environment, you know, it was all mm -hmm. these old fat guys pulling huge <laughs> dollies around saying, you're going to put the camera there, Gov, okay, it's your funeral, you know, this kind of thing. <laughs> no, seriously, they, they, they were so intimidating, you know, and so, uh, you know, they'd all worked on chariots of fire and yeah. know, all that stuff, you know, they say, oh, this is what he's going to do, okay. <laughs> you know, that Did you feel that in particular coming in as somebody who didn't come through the film industry, as it were, well, it came mean, through yeah. literature to, to uh, Angel. Yeah, through, through just somebody being young in this, in this business that was run by, you know, men with big guts, you know, yeah. bellies, you know, it seemed to me. And uh, it, it's a very, very kind of aggressive environment, you know, but then 
You know, they used to laugh at George Lucas as well. You know, I mean, when I did Company mm. Wolves, all the guys who were designing those sets and working, they'd all come off Star Wars, you know, and apparently they just used to think George Lucas was a total idiot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know what he was doing, you know, with this strange kind of Obi-Wan Kenobi stuff. And all <laughs> but it's, 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 I, it's, that's changing, definitely, I think. And I think part of the reason it's changing it too is because on the uh, lower level of, on, on the more micro level of filmmaking, it's become much more accessible, you know, with mm. digital cameras and the whole language of filmmaking. I mean, you know, even one's kids know how to make little movies on their iPhones, don't they? Yeah, we're all filmmakers. So it's more possible for people, to, you know, for people from all, all, all walks of life to get into it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, a question from the audience, if you raise your hand. Yes, there's a gentleman there uh, in the black. Yes, your microphone. Best advice you ever got about writing a screenplay? I don't think I was ever given any advice about writing a screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I don't think so. I mean, the first screenplay I wrote was with John Borman, you know? He, he asked me to write, uh, to work with him. He'd read a book of stories I wrote called, called The Night in Tunisia, and he asked me to write a film with him which he called Broken Dreams. It was an adaption of a weird French novel about an Irish magician or something. It was, it was absolutely delightful, you know? And, uh, I don't think anyone's ever given me any advice. You know, people have told me, oh, if you do that, we're not making it. You know, like, you know, like, if you cast, like in Mona Lisa, you know, if you cast a black actress, so yeah, yeah. we won't make that, we don't want to make that. No, really? That. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or like the crying game, if you have, you know, a black soldier in the north of Ireland, or if you have a transgender character or whatever, you know. But uh, I don't think anybody's given me any advice about. Uh, do you map it out before? No, no, no. I, you mean, do I work out the story? I think it, take, it can take a long time, you know, to work out a story, you know, and you kind of, if you try to map it out often, you, you end up putting it aside for a long time and coming back to it later. You know, at the moment, I'm trying to come up with a ghost story, and I don't know what it's going to be, you know, and I try to work it out and say, oh, if you start here and start there and start and end up here, you go, okay, well. You know, then you forget mm -hmm. about it. I, I think you have to let, let the material tell you what it wants to be, really. You know, that's the only advice I'd give. And uh, don't make them too much longer than 90 pages. You know, though so, I saw Avengers Endgame last <laughs> night, and I'm sure that screenplay was about 300 pages long, you know. With <laughs> all sorts of kind of explanatory notes with all the different characters and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, well, you need footnotes if you haven't seen the films. Yes, I know. Yes, let's go. There's a, there's a microphone down to you in just one minute, this lady here. Do you not have a microphone? Oh, there, there. So, just the lady right in. Yes, who has her hand still raised, the black jumper. <laughs> Hello. No, we can't. We can't hear you. Sorry, I still can't hear you. You have to raise your voice if it's not. Okay. Uh, I would like to ask you which your favorite movie that you did. Favorite movie that I've made?
Okay, I think I'm sure. finding inspiration for the characters and your favorite of your own film. Well, it's not, it's, it's not like you have a favorite of a movie. It's like you have favorite bits of movies. Do you understand what I mean? I mean, I love the last 20 minutes of this film. I just love it because everything was done within the camera. You know what I mean? It's not about dialogue or anything yeah. like that. I mm -hmm. love the last 20 minutes. I love this, the scenes with, uh, in Mona Lisa where Bob Hoskins is on the pier wearing those silly glasses and his heart is breaking and all that, you know? Uh, it's, it's hard to say really, you know? I mean, you keep, one keeps, like any, anything one does, nothing is perfect, you know, and your greatest critic is yourself, you know, that kind of thing. And it's, it's a kind of a medium where you have to have a lot of luck to, for it to go right, because it can go horribly wrong, you know what I mean? So if I see little bits of a, movie, of, of a movie that I'm satisfied with, I feel very happy, you know? And what was the rest of the question, sorry? And um, the was asking about inspiration for your characters, characters like Greta and the characters. I just try to find something that I haven't done before, you know? <clears throat> and I mean, I think there are two kind of writers and two kind of directors. There's a kind of director who kind of does something and you recognize exactly what it is and does it again, does it again, often in a very satisfying way, you know? I'm, that's not me, I'm sorry, you know? And then there's people who do, diff who, who do different things, you know? And, um, you know, who sometimes, you know, want to, uh, I mean, I, I want to challenge myself with, this, with the difference of with each time I, sometimes when I choose to do a movie, it's because I've never done a film like that before, you mm. know, that kind of thing. I'm interested in you, leading off this lady's question, that um, are there any of your films that you think have been underappreciated? Are there any of the films in particular which didn't get the best reviewed, which you think that was most unfair, that deserved better? Well, a lot of my movies have been horribly reviewed. One or two. Yeah, including this one in some quarters. <laughs> Not with us. <laughs> no, I know, I know, I know, I know. But it, no, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to say, really. Well, I mean, people didn't appreciate the movie I did with Jodie Foster called The Brave One. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I didn't write that, you know, though I, I kind of rewrote it. But I kind of loved the exploration of this this kind of dynamic in American life that leads, but the attraction of violence mm -hmm. and stuff like that, you know what I mean? I made a movie called In Dreams, you know, which uh, people loathed at the time. I really hated it. But for now, for some reason, a lot of people seem to like now, you know? And I suppose the nice thing about movies, or maybe what's happening now is with streaming, people can look Catch at films movie, yeah. they haven't seen before, mm -hmm. you know? So films can gain reputations that have been, have been uh, kind of, ignored or derided, you know, in the past, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, does that answer your question? No, that, that, that does happen. Um, yes, um, we'll try once again with the microphone with the gentleman here. Uh, yes, you, uh, yeah, uh, let's see if this works, shall we? Hi. Yes. Uh, hi. <laughs> uh, I was wondering, uh, what do you think are some of the skills and qualities someone needs to develop to direct feature films? Okay. I can be really specific there, yeah. I think you have to, I think you have to make, make images. It's about image making to me, you know? And I think it begins and ends with image making. And that's why I find, I mean, I do like the fact that there's uh, a kind of a new kind of bare bones aesthetic going around at the moment. But I really get upset with films where the images has not been created, you know? And it hasn't been structured and given to me. And, you know, uh, you know, I can see a lot of indie movies that sometimes get great acclaim, and I can see they're done by hand with handheld performances and street corners mm -hmm, and this mm -hmm. and that. You know, I mean, I really think cinema is about images. You know, and 
I think it should begin and end with that, really. But my mother was a painter, so, you know, that's... Some, a lot of people would, would disagree with me there. Which is interesting, and then you came, you started off as a writer. It's an interesting that you had that... Well, she, she it told me... It was you clear know, in she, your head that, 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 that a film had to be about the image first. Well, no, first. That, that's, that's why one makes films, I think, you yeah. know, as opposed to making plays, you know, as opposed to, you know, uh, making radio plays or making plays for the theatre mm -hmm. or writing novels or, you know, the reason you make films is because, you know, they are moving images, I think, you know, I suspect. Um, yes, we'll go, there's a, there's a, yes, I'll go, sorry, I feel like I'm going through a fashion, yes, yes, madam, yes, you, you're um, in the light blue jumper, we'll see if the microphone works this time, Not to great tension. Yes, hooray. Right. Um, I thought um, uh, you used music to great effect. In this film. Thank you. Um, and I was wondering, do you always work with the same composer and music mm. editor? And also, what's your input? Do you leave it to them, or do you mm. work with them during the process? Okay. I, I worked, I, I, I kind of fall in love with composers. It's weird. They're always men for some reason. <laughs> oh no, I made, a, I made a movie with a great composer, Anne Dudley. She yes. did music for the crying game. But it's, I, I, I tend to get very very intense relationship with composers. I made. I worked with a composer called Elliot Goldenthal for many years, you know, and, uh, you know, Elliot's in New York and, you know, there's a lot of distance between us now. Um, with this, the last two films I've done with a composer called Javier Navaretti. But with this movie, I really had, I've always wanted to use a piece of music that is kind of beautiful, that starts beautiful, and that ends up being nauseous. <laughs> you know, now I don't know why, but I think a lot of beautiful music can be nauseous at the same time, you know. So I wanted to use that, that uh, list piece, you know, and just at the start for it to be a piece, you know, to have a seductive intent or a seductive purpose in the film. And by the end, to have a repellent purpose, you know. So that, that was basically my logic. And Javier followed that. He, 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 saw, he saw the same thing. That's what we did. Um, yes, yes, I see. Someone right at the back there, that's not discriminating against those who are towards the back of the auditorium. Hi, uh, well done, by the way. You really kept me at my toes. Very great feeling. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I was just wondering, what advice do you have for someone who is trying to project uh, a career in acting to get roles? And also, do you have any plans to maybe um, maybe shoot a film maybe somewhere, for example, if you want, I could recommend Tanzania, Kilimanjaro, <laughs> Kilimanjaro, just to maybe to come up with something, maybe a different uh, location, I think that would be really nice. To make a movie in Kilimanjaro, yeah, you say? Yes, mm -hmm. Hey, I'd love to. There. Are you asking? I'd love to. <laughs> I would really love to. Yeah, please do. Get you know, but I mean, I think the best, the best, uh, the best, the best uh, advice one can give to somebody who wants to act is to get together with a community of actors, you know? And uh, it, I think it's, I mean, I did work in the theatre years ago with Jim Sheridan, you know, when we were kids. And uh, there is nothing like getting a group of people, you know, around creating kind of theatre. It's, it's a great, great thing, you know. And often people say to me, how do I get into acting? I just always say, well, start your own theatre group, you know. Mm -hmm. that's, that's the best way to do it, I think, you know. Um, I guess this will come forward to, <laughs> um, yes, there you there, just the, the, with your, your hand still raised, yes. I uh, enjoyed it very much. Uh, got the fairytale reference right away. 
hands on Gail Kim's my head, but I couldn't figure out why Greta got to be the bad girl. <laughs> the okay. other thing, um, I was quite surprised to hear you say that you don't like psychology, because I thought there was a lot of psychology, like the daughter who's been abused and therefore has destroyed herself, and yeah. the, the woman herself who obviously has a lot of psychological problems, so there's a lot of psychology in the film. Yeah. I saw you were the second writer on the screenplay, yeah. so I was wondering like what you've done to change it, what, okay. how you tweaked it. Yeah. And okay. uh, the last thing, really, the only thing that really struck me as not realistic, and I may be wrong, is I've never seen anybody have a finger chopped off, mm -hmm. but I thought there needed to be some explanation as to why she didn't feel any pain. That's it. Thank you. Okay. Sure. Well, she felt pain. No, she, she did feel pain. She screamed and all that. I did speak. What? <laughs> not enough. <laughs> and she screamed and all that. And she got knocked out. But I did speak to a doctor, a nurse, and I said, okay, so you're, you're in a little apartment and your finger's been chopped off and you're like, you're, you know, you've got a background in medicine. What would you do to, to, to anesthetize the pain? And she said, well, you'd inject yourself with, a, uh, with an, an anesthetic, basically. I said, well, where would you inject yourself? She said, you'd inject yourself right where the wound is. You know? So that's what I had her do. <laughs> but with regard to, sorry, what, oh, oh yeah, psychology. There is psychology, but I hope it's kept to a minimum. You know? <laughs> I mean, the question was, do you try to, do you try to explain this, uh, her pathology, you know? And, and one of the reasons that myself and Isabel decided to do the movie together was because we decided, no, you don't, you know? And uh, I actually thought was it was really interesting in a way, and maybe I should have explored it more in a psychological way, I think motherhood, yeah, or the blighted motherhood, or the desire for motherhood must be the greatest pathology known to humankind, you know? And you don't read about it much, do you, really? You know? This insane mm. desire mm. to replace a child or to have mm. a child, or to, you know what I mean? And I, I thought, okay, that's, that'd be an interesting thing to explore. And you tweaked the film, did you tweak the script very much? Oh, the script, sorry. Yeah, okay. Uh, the last, the, from the, there were there were three things I liked about the script. It was written by a guy called Ray Wright. One was the handbag. I thought it was such a sweet idea. I never thought of that myself. The other was the sequence where she's been chased around and using a phone as a weapon, you know, taking pictures. And the third was the double dream, you know, the double dream. And I thought those two three things are really great, and I wouldn't have thought of those, you mm -hmm. know. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to make this movie. But the last half of the movie is I rewrote it almost entirely, you know. I mean there was no box, you know, she was she wasn't French she wasn't pretending to be French. She didn't get her finger chopped off. She didn't it was you know, there was the last third the last half of the movie basically is what I wrote, yeah. I have a trivial question about that. In that you talk about that I think one of the great hooks Mm. in the early part of the film, the first mm. third of the film, is that scene where she opens mm. the cupboard and finds all the handbags. Yeah. That's in the trailer. Which struck me as mad. I, I mean, I've had a few fights people about spoilers recently, and I don't really care very much about them, but yeah. that seemed to be an example where yeah. the mad spoiler, because that's like one of the best Insane. hooks in the film. What's Insane. your feeling about that? Well, when they showed me the trailer, I said, please do, don't do that, you know? <laughs> and they then did a trailer without it, and they showed me without it, and then they said, I said, please do that, and they said, they test these things, you yeah. know, and, 
I just hated that trailer. You know, I mean, I tried to, I tried to get them to change it, but they were, they were in America. You know, you don't have that much control, at least I don't, you know, mm. over how your film is marketed. But if you look at the trailer for Get Out, it tells you the whole story. They seem to be doing that. It tells you yeah. everything about the story except the fact that towards the very end they're kind of performing lobotomies and all that sort of stuff. Sure, you know? sure. But they seem to make trailers in that way now, which is, to me is a terrible pity. They're also too long. Yeah. Always, I think, you know. Well, it's a strange kind of combination that people are paranoid about spoilers when the film comes out and then want to learn as much as they possibly can from the No, they're, fu they they're furious with trailers, too. It's a very strange... They are. But, I mean, you don't... It's like... You know, it's hard to argue with people who say, when they say, well, we, te we test this. I never know what that means, but... It's interesting for us who don't know about these things here that you don't actually have the power to ultimately say no. Well, you would actually, but then yeah. you're afraid they they won't they won't even re they won't release your film or something. You, you, you kind of think they know more than you do, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure they do because they know about marketing. Sure, know? sure. Mm -hmm. um, we'll put up one more maybe. Um, at, um, yes, just come over here with the, the beard. I can hear you. Could you speak louder? Uh, you spoke in an interview before about the ubiquity of the moving image and how it had diluted the moving image. I just wondered how your thoughts about on that at all. Uh, the, the ubiquity of what, sorry? The moving image. So we now see moving images everywhere. Everywhere. On phones we do. or. On phones, you mean, everywhere, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but they're not good ones, are they? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah, it's, it's weird. It's really strange, isn't it? It's becoming. Uh, well, it's become a kind of a culture where it's very difficult to distinguish reality from, you know, from presentation, isn't it, really? You know, I think it goes beyond the moving image, though. I think it goes into fake news and into the social media and everything. You know? I mean, I, I just, I, I, I think our brains are being, our brains are being kind of rotted, really, you know? I mean, we all use computers, don't we? I write on a computer. I, I'd love to stop doing it because mm -hmm. the temptation to go on a site is so, it's so kind of immediate. And the minute you go on a site, there's these bloody images and ads <laughs> flashing, and you try and turn them off, and others, you know, it's, uh, I think it's, yeah, I don't know, I, I think, I, I think we should construct images really, really well, and they should have a purpose to them, and they perhaps should only be seen as, <laughs> I don't know what else to say beyond that, I'm sorry. Um, we'll let you go, Neil, but tell okay. us, obviously you can only say a certain amount, but what's coming up next, projects or secrets and so forth, but what are you able to tell us about what you're doing next? Oh God, well I've, 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 I wrote a novel called The Drowned Detective some years ago and I, I've been trying to make a movie about that for quite a right. while. It's proving kind of difficult, not to finance, I've got the financing for it, it's difficult to get the actress to be in it actually, it's just weird, yeah. Probably because it's set in Eastern Europe and mm -hmm. you know, nobody wants to go to Belgrade or whatever it is, <laughs> you know. Um, I've, I'm working on a television series. I'm doing lots, lots, lots mm -hmm. of things, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of different things. But I don't know what, what I'm going to be doing next. But I hope to make another movie, mm -hmm. okay, if I can, if they let me. We hope you do. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. Thank you very much.